I want us to go back to Hosea chapter 6, verse number 2. We began there last week, and I'm doing this series. I don't know how long it'll be, but this series, this message on the third day awakening. Third day awakening. Hosea 6 and 2, and after two days... He will revive us. That's revival. Most of the church is focused just on revival. Revival is the beginning of what God is going to do. But he says that he will revive us after two days. But on the third day, he will raise us up. That we may live in his sight. Glory to God. In the third day awakening, the church will be revived, it will be resurrected, and it will live. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So Father, I thank you for these moments that we spend together here today. I pray now that you would help us in these moments that we will be able to hear your word and your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Not only do we welcome you, but we desire you in this place to do what we cannot do. Put your super upon our natural and reveal your glory in this place today that lives be transformed, changed, and challenged by the power of your presence. And we give you praise and thanks for this now in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want us to look here today, and in case you were not here last Sunday, let me just remind you that all of our messages are on our website. They're all free. You can download them, videos, and also uh, you can download the um, uh, podcast. Thank you. It is all free and available. It's free because you've paid for it. Amen. And so it's your giving has made it possible. And so make sure that you use those tools, not only for you to keep up and rehear the word of the Lord, but to share with others. All right. Uh, There, what I want to look at here today is this, that he tells us that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. When we understand the, the timing of God, when we understand that God is in eternity and speaks everything in eternity and brings it to pass in time we understand that God is not controlled by time because he is outside of time and causes everything to happen in time and the reason that he does that is because he said to everything there is a time and a season so he is an on-time God with everything that he does can you say amen We look at that and we come to an understanding that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so it is only God that a thousand years is as one day, but also one day is as a thousand years. With that understanding, we understand that we are now standing and as of January 1st, 2001, we are now in the third day according to the timing of God. And I think we can all agree that we are living in the last days. 
The Bible said this is how you'll know that you are living in the last days, that men shall become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I see this today that we are more lovers, men are become more lovers of our own ways than we are of God. It frustrates me to no end whenever people get get inconvenienced by a two-hour service, knowing the price that has been paid for us to worship God today, knowing that where you sit, you're not sitting there because it was just free or it didn't cost anything, but people paid a price so that you could be up in this house today. Somebody painted this building. Somebody came and sacrificed. When we did this remodel, people were here in the wee hours of the morning, making sure that everything was right. The painting was right. The stage, everything. Some, what I'm telling you is somebody paid a price for where we're sitting today. And for somebody to come up and tell me their inconvenience because we went all along. I tell you, the devil is a liar. We've got a form of godliness, but we don't have any power. I I hunger for the presence of God. It doesn't matter what's on my calendar after service. If God shows up, everything else goes away because his presence is more important to me than anything in my life. Anything in my life, I would rather be a millisecond in his presence and and not anybody know who I am, lose everything that I have. But to have his presence means more to me than anything in this world. Amen. And it's more than just a conversation. It's more than just a preaching uh, point today, but it is reality. It is more important to me than anything. It's more important than the opinions of people. It's more important than the expectations of men to be in his presence because in his presence, I receive everything that I need. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that today, but we also come to an understanding that we are living in these last days because we have a form of godliness, but we don't have much power. We're living in a time even when Pentecostal churches have denied the power. We have traded the pure power for a powerless, watered-down gospel that appeases to the opinions and the expectations of people but have produced no power. I've said it many times. The old church couldn't tell you how they did it, but they did it. The modern-day church can tell you how to do it, but they can't get it done. Amen. But how many know that in this hour, when we are dealing with industrial strength demons, we need a power in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that will break yokes and remove burdens because you are not going to set the captive free with a feel-good gospel. You're not going to set the bound free with just giving them encouraging words and nice speeches, but there's got to be some power that will set the captive free. And we must refuse the watered down and we must accept only the full 100% wine of the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit. We have been watered down. We, we are limited to water, but now we are only drinking from the, the waters of yesterday and the wine of that what has been, but we do not understand there is a freshness of his spirit for us today. I tell you on this day that as we remember those who gave their life, that not only is it Memorial Weekend, but it's also Pentecost Sunday. It is not here today that we come together to remember an event because an event suggests that it is gone and it is over. But I submit to you that it is an experience today that not only did happen on the day of Pentecost, but it's been happening every day since that day. That God has established a way for his power, his anointing, and his presence to live and to abide in the hearts of people. Amen. And so we understand today that the Holy Spirit, one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is that of new wine. The wine of grace. We drink wine of his glory and of his grace. And in this third day awakening, we will have to go through the pressure of the wine press but the pressure is what causes the watered down religion to be changed to a wine filled revival the pressure of watered down preaching will produce a wine filled exhortation and revelation that turns to an impartation the watered down praise and worship will be converted to wine filled prophetic songs and new songs that come out of our heart in these past days we have focused more on the outward manifestation than the inward revelation and because of that we have got caught up on what people are saying or people are doing or the manifestation on the outward appearance more than the revelation on the inside but when you come you don't take wine and pour wine on the outside you pour wine on the inside And God said, I'm going to give you a new wine in this last day. And the outward is being changed as a sign that the inward is full. Huh? Whenever somebody in the natural gets drunk, you can't tell it on the outside until the inside has been consumed. Huh? But when the inside gets consumed, they can't help but do you know it on the outside because there is a, a, a understanding that when you do that that you no longer in control of yourself there is a presence that is controlling you and dominating you and we have to understand this today that the Holy Spirit is not for the outward it's for the inward and whenever you get consumed and you get full of the new wine of the Holy Spirit it'll change your testimony it'll change your walk it'll change your talk it'll change the way that you view things our lives must be a testimony of holiness and integrity that provokes a celebration of joy as the bridegroom returns for his bride because in this third day there's going to be a wedding amen i said in this third day there's going to be a wedding You remember in John chapter 2 in verse number 1, he said, on the third day, say third day. 
On the third day, there was a wedding in the Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to the woman, what uh, concern is this of me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. And now there was six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it and the master of the feast had tasted the water and the was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who drew it out knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, but you have kept the good until now. Jesus is the winemaker. I said, Jesus is the winemaker. The wine of the third day is the wine of the cross. It is the wine of the resurrection. On the third day, Jesus returned and turned the water into wine. I believe that this scripture is prophetically speaking about this third day church. He said that in this third day, there's going to be a wedding. Amen. And when he said there's going to be a wedding, how many know that Jesus showed up for the wedding? And this third day, Jesus is going to come back for his bride. In day two, uh, we filled our water pots with water. We filled them with our theology. We filled our services with order, filled them with sermons, and filled them with structure. We filled our water pots. We did what we could do. And some of the water was clear. Some of it was pure. But there was other that was irrelevant, and it was impure. But on this third day, God is going to convert our water into wine. He's going to convert that which we have been faithful to do on our own. He's going to cover it by his spirit and it's not going to be our works, but it's going to be his anointing. It's going to be a water that is turned into wine so that this world will know that he and he alone is God. Let's look at this here. On the third day, there was a wedding. The Bible tells us that the world don't know when Jesus is coming back, but his bride needs to know. Some people say, well, nobody knows the hour, the time, or the season. If you don't know when he's coming, you haven't read his book. Because he's very clear on when he is to return. He gives us signs of his returning so that we are not caught unaware. That's what he's told us to do. And so now we are not caught unaware. But we, the church, the bride, knows when he is coming. Here in John 2, we see a picture of the wedding. Amen. And he tells us that on the third day, the wedding is going to take place. And Jesus shows up for this wedding. Jesus. Jesus' mother comes and tells him that they have run out of wine. 
Jesus says, my hour has not come. Mary comes and and became a part of the wine press. She became the press that began to bring forth the wine out of her son Jesus. She put pressure on his potential. She knew what he was capable of, but he had not gone through the religious steps yet. He had not gone through what uh, Judaism had set. He did not go through the law of what the priest had said because to be a priest legally you had to be 30 years of age he had not went through all of the things that he was to go through as a priest so that he could be able to do what he was already capable of doing but on this day Jesus's mother Mary steps up and begins to put pressure on him because she as her her, her his mother knows better than anybody else what his potential is she knows what's on the inside of him and so she goes to them and says they're in a dilemma how many know our world's in a dilemma We've sent, we've spent trillions of dollars trying to fix it, but we've found out money can't fix it. We, we've hired and we've fired. We've, we've voted in and we've voted out president, governors, council members, mem- mayors, and nothing has changed the state of our nation and our world. But I want to tell you today, we have done all of these things trying to manipulate, trying to make things better, but we don't have the power with in ourselves but Mary comes and says I know that you have the potential they're in a dilemma and she puts a a pressure on Jesus to do what he is capable of doing but yet not supposed to do and so she becomes the press you know we all hate the press don't we The press takes the grape in its raw form and pushes that nice, beautiful grape on one side, puts it through the pressure, and when it goes through the pressure, everything that's on the inside is pressed out of it until it becomes a a new wine. Amen. We, We want to go through life, but we don't want to go through the process. We want all the blessing, but we don't want any pain. But I want to tell you today, you can listen to Old Slick Willie if you want to, but I want to tell you that life is a process. That everybody, you can fight it, you can struggle, you can work against it, but everybody's got to go through the process. Everybody's got to go through the wine press of our life. And when we if we yield to it, then everything that God has put in us will come out. Because Mary became that press to Jesus. She pushed on him until what was on the inside of him came out of him. Can I tell you today the things that you're facing in life may not be the devil. It might just well be God that is putting you in a place where that he is pushing on you because he knows better is on the inside of you. He knows the potential that's on the inside. He knows the goodness that's on the inside of your life. And if you just yield to his will, his way, his wants, and his desires. He will push you through that thing. And when you go through it, everything on the inside of you, your dreams, your vision, your purpose, what he has ordained for your life, he will draw out of you in that time of pressing. Jesus said, my hour has not come, but Mary became the press. 
And then the scripture says this. He said that there was six water pots. Six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Man is what is capable in the natural the pots represent the, the breaking of, of how fragile we are and how frail that we really are. And we can be broken and we can be uh, destroyed. We can crack. Huh? But he says, do what you can do. Take the six water pots, fill them with water. Six is the number of man. But then he says that they are holding 20 gallons of water each, filling the pots to the with water. That, that, that tells me there's 120 gallons of water. 120 is the number of people that showed up or stayed, I should say, on the day of Pentecost. There was over 500 that went, but 120 stayed. There was some that said, this is inconveniencing my style. There was some that said, I've got other things that I've got to do. But 120 of them stayed. They didn't know what they were staying for, but they heard the command of Jesus to go and tarry in the upper room until you're endued with power from on high. They didn't know what was going to take place. They didn't know what it was going to sound like they didn't know what it was going to feel like they were just following the commands of Jesus to go and to tarry there was over 500 that went but 120 said I don't know what it is but I know I need it and so they would go and they would stay in that place until the pressing was over they stayed in that place until they received what they needed from God they was willing to do in the natural what they could do so that the supernatural would arise in their life. Let me ask you today, are you too busy for the supernatural to show up in your life? Are you too busy going about our own agendas and our own things in our life that we can't even hear the voice of God giving us direction, giving us purpose, giving us a call that says go to this place and I'll meet you in that place. You see, when we get to a hunger in our lives where we're not satisfied with the mundane, we're not satisfied with going through the rigors of religion but we need his supernatural in our life it's the reason why men's hearts are failing them it's the reason why people cannot succeed and they're going down instead of over it's because we have never we've lost the art of waiting on the Lord but I tell you today that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they will mount up with wings as eagles they will run and not grow weary they'll walk and not fame why because new wine has been poured into them oh give him praise if you believe him for it today they filled the water pots and then Jesus told them to draw out the wine I told first service I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks and this this scripture is intriguing to me it it's interesting to me because first of all if I was the one putting that water in those pots And then he told me to take it to the one in charge, whether it be the king, whether it be whoever it was, the man. I know what's in those pots. Huh? I'm the one just put it in those pots. And now Jesus is telling me, take that and give it to the king, give it to the man for wine. 
And I'm scratching my head saying, I don't know if I'd do that or not. I'm just being honest. Huh? Because he, he, he has the power to have my head. He's, he's the one in charge. He, he's the one that's in authority here. And, and I know there's water in those pots. And this is what messed me up. I noticed that Jesus didn't pray over it. Jesus didn't bless it. Jesus didn't uh, call a prayer meeting and have a 12-hour prayer meeting over it. Jesus didn't bring them together and say, do you believe this is turned into wine yet? Listen to me. He didn't remove the process, but he removed time. You get that in a minute. I said he didn't remove the process, but he did remove time out of the equation. He still had to go through the natural process, but time was lifted out. So that which should have taken a long time, suddenly pour the water in and dip the wine out. Are you walking with me? But here. He didn't go praying over all of this. He didn't, and and I'm not, everybody that's a part of this church understands I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. We have prayer services here all the time, but I want you to catch this today because I want you to see something here. He, he, He did not turn the water into wine after a special prayer service. He just told the disciples, put the water in and dip the wine out. Huh? Now I understand, and I don't want to mess with anybody's theology today, but I understand that this goes on record as the first miracle that Jesus ever did. But I want to submit to you today that perhaps it was not the first miracle Jesus ever did, but perhaps it was the first miracle that Jesus overseen. Because it was the disciples' act of faith that caused that water to be turned into wine. Jesus didn't touch it. Jesus didn't pray over it. He just overseen the process. Come on, somebody. He found him somebody that believed in faith. It doesn't suggest in scriptures that the disciples did what I probably would have done. It says that they were faithful to fill the water pots of water. They were faithful to dip it out and take it to the man in charge. I want to submit to you today that it was their faith that turned that water into wine. On this third day, church is going to see the miraculous. Then we've got to be faithful to do what Jesus said for us to do. We, we, we say, well, we're sitting here in church today. We've said it's people are sitting all over this nation today and they're hoping, they're wishing that Jesus would do something for them. And Jesus is saying, I've already done all I'm going to do. I'm waiting for you to take an act of faith. And if you'll take an act of faith, I'll bless what you put your hands to do. Amen. How, what else more can Jesus do? I'm not being 
disrespectful today. He's already accomplished his work. He came to this earth as a virgin. He was born out of a virgin. He came. He lived. He died a sinless life. Died on the cross. Put in a tomb. Resurrected on the third day. Walked for 40 days and nights so that men would not be able to say he didn't rise. And then he ascended on the 40th day to the Father. Set on the right hand of Father God. And he's looking for some people today to fill some water pots so he can turn the water into wine. He's looking for some faithful people just to be obedient. You don't have to be supernatural. You don't have to be super duper. All you got to do is be able to fill water pots with water. And if you'll be faithful in that, he will put his supernatural upon it. In this third day, we're going to shake off the dust of Adam and we're going to look more like Jesus. I know, I know, we're supposed to be wretched worms. Huh? I know, we're supposed to be nobodies, nothings. We're, we're, we're supposed to be false humility. Huh? <laughs> Y'all looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. I know we're supposed to be all, you know, humble and, oh, we didn't do it. No, you did do it. God in you rose up. The world, the world has never seen Jesus except what they see through you. And so we have to rise up in this day. And we have to look more like Jesus than we do Adam. Amen. The first time that Jesus came, he looked like us. But when he returns, we're going to look like him. He will have a people in the earth. I said he will have a church in the earth. A man that will enforce the supernatural and the miraculous. In this third day, he's going to raise us up. Now, I know somebody, I, I even felt it when I was putting it together. They said, well, now you done went too far, Pastor. But let me show you, I didn't just pull it out of the air. First Corinthians 15 and 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust. Who is the man of dust? Adam. Come on, somebody talk to me. Who's the man of dust? Adam, we shall bear the image, also bear the image of the heavenly man. Who is the heavenly man? None other than Jesus. He's the last Adam, right? There's no need for another. He's the last Adam. And so when we understand this, he said, we've, we've, we've put up with this dust long enough. But now we need to take on the heavenly man. Quit singing about being an old wretched worm. Quit with this mindset of, oh, it's just old me. And, oh, I'm the least of the least Gideon. And I'm the, my, my, my clan is the least in the clans. And I'm the least in the clan of the clans. And no, get away from all of that mindset and understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may have come from the dust, but you was not a man staying there. You have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, 
because today we have a greater potential than Adam. We have a greater promise. He said in the third day, we are not Adam. We are not from the tribe of Adam. We are from the tribe of Jesus. We are not born to death of Adam. We are born into the life of Jesus Christ. We are not created in Genesis, but we was created in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's where you were birthed. Amen. You may have come from your mother's womb, but spiritually speaking, you didn't come from Adam. You came from Christ. And all things passed away and all things have become new. And we are a new creature in Christ Jesus that doesn't no longer look like Adam, but looks like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now watch this. God gave Adam Eve so she wouldn't be alone. So he wouldn't be alone, excuse me. But he gave us something greater than Eve. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the comforter. He gave us the counselor. Amen. That he said that that that. But the comforters, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remember you and everything I have said to you. We now have access to the throne of God. We now have access to the heart of God because of the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. Amen. And I'm thankful today for the Holy Spirit. I said, I am thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful today because I would be a wretched worm if it wasn't for him. I'm thankful today because I'd already went out of my mind if it wasn't for him. But thank God for this comforter. Thank God for this counselor. Thank God that it's not just an event on Pentecost or an event once a year, but every single day of my life, the comforter comforts me. He counsels me. He gives me direction. People look and say, that was wise. No, it wasn't wise. It was the Holy Spirit giving direction. They say, oh, you're full of wisdom. No, I'm not full of wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me that causes me to look good. Why? Because he leads me. He guides me. He directs me. And it's not an event, but I live and he lives in me every single day that I live. So that's the reason why I have a, a, a great offense and a great problem with people that are all the time wanting to downplay the Holy Spirit. That are wanting to put it on there like like a, 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 a something you put on a car, like like air condition or no air condition. No, you need the Holy Spirit. I said you need the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of it. I said, I'm not ashamed to declare you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, if you are, if you are uh, planning on going out of here and not living long, just, you know, going on maybe tonight or something like that, then you don't need the Holy Spirit so much. But if you're planning on going out these doors and living in this world, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. 
to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, to comfort you, to counsel you in the ways of the Lord. Amen. Why? Because we're living in a wicked world and we need something greater than what Adam had. We need this comforter that God has given us called the Holy Spirit. Amen. We filled water pots long enough and it's time for the process of change to begin in us where that we have run out of wine. How many know we've run out of wine? Amen. We have run out of wine in God's church and we need a refilling, not of water, but of a hundred percent wine. Because you see, the problem is, is when that, that we have got, it's been so long since we've been drunk. Didn't think you'd hear that in church, did you? Not drunk in the world system, but drunk in that new wine of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the problem is we've got so, we've got so that, that we, we, we haven't, have you ever seen anybody get a little tipsy? I ain't condoning and, and telling you you need the drink. I'm not telling you that. You can leave here and tell somebody that I'm going to tell them you're a liar. Because that ain't what I'm saying. But have you ever seen anybody get a little tipsy? They may be ugly, but they get a little tipsy and they, they don't care if a serp goes to a dollar a sop. They don't care if they're muddy. It don't care if it rains. They don't care what's going on. They just happy to be there. Huh? And we've, we, we've got too sober in the church. Amen. Until we're fussing and fighting and carrying on and, and we don't have any joy anymore. But oh, how we need the new wine. How we need a freshness of his Holy Spirit. Amen. To be poured into us until we become consumed with all that heaven has for us. Everything that the Holy Spirit has desired for our lives. Let it rain. Let it pour down upon us and let it just consume us until we can be the witness in the earth praise God whenever you become consumed with him you don't care what people think when you get consumed with him you're not worried about the expectations of people you just know that he is good and you're going to tell everybody how good he is you give him glory in the street you give him glory in the marketplace you give him glory at work you give him glory wherever you are you're not worried about if people like it or not you just want them to know how good he is. And we're waiting on Jesus to do something. And we're waiting on the preacher to do something. And God said, I sent my spirit to you all, your sons and your daughters, your whole family, multi-generational blessing outpoured so you can enjoy your life. Amen. And we're waiting on, on God to do something. And God's saying, if you would do something, I'd pour my blessing on it. Amen. We need a supernatural to cover our natural until the earth knows he is God. And that's the reason he gave us the Holy Spirit. We can bring joy to a desolate and comfort to the heartbroken. So we can declare the year of favor of the Lord. 
so that we can free the captive and raise the broken so that we can announce good news to those who are in bondage. You see, because Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are oppressed. He's said, I'll give recovery of sight to the blind and release those who are oppressed. We have been held back and we have been held back long enough, but we have been held back with the purpose because we did didn't understand what time it is but I'm telling you timing is everything and now we're in the third day and the Bible doesn't speak of a fourth day but on this third day the church is going to arise he said I'm going to raise you up I'm going to revive you and I'm going to raise you up God is raising up to release us into the world he never gives his best in the beginning he never gives his best in the middle he always always saves his best for last. I don't know about you, but some people have told me you just missed your day. You should have been born in the 50s or the 60s or the 40s or 50s or whatever, but I say God knew exactly when to send me. He knew the gift that he would place in me. I want to tell you today that you're not a mishap. You're not an accident. It's not by coincidence that you're here in this hour. You're a part of the very best and God saved you the very best for these last days that he would use you in these last days to raise up an army that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ who are prepared to make war in the spirit tear down strongholds bring down principalities and say I believe the word of the Lord over my life that there is anything that God cannot do he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or even think because he has called me for this hour. This is my hour. This is my time. And this is my purpose. So whenever you read the Bible, I want to challenge you not to read the Bible like many times we do. Oh, that was wonderful. I wish I could live then. I wish I'd been born in the garden. I wish I'd have been born in the day of Pentecost. I wish I'd have been born when Jesus walked the earth. But I want to submit to you today, don't read the Bible as the best days are behind us. Find yourself in the scripture and understand that there is amazing things that are going to happen in this hour that have never happened before. That in this third day awakening, God is going to equip us for this day. God spoke through Joel concerning these last days and he said afterward I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men will dream dreams and all my servants and handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit in those days the last revival is the greatest revival the last awakening is the greatest awakening 
We are in the final steps. We are in the last inches. We are in the final push. We are on the threshold of the Lord's soon return. And we are not alive at this moment by coincidence, but we are alive because we're the very best in the kingdom of God. And God is going to use us to usher in the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is raising us up together and seating us in heavenly places with him so that we can fulfill this last day prophecy of Joel that we are going to see the prophecy in the kingdom of God we are not leaving here like a bunch of whip pups I've told you before we're not going to leave here the laughing stock of the comedians in late night but when we leave we're leaving with a shout when we leave we're leaving with victory when we leave we're leaving overcomers to Christ Jesus and when we leave we're leaving with the power of the Holy Spirit giving us the strength and the ability to say greater is he that is in me than all of the world that has come against me look at this promise here I'm almost done look at this promise here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 you've read it before and now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. This tells us that we are connected to the one that does exceedingly abundantly above all. It also connects us to the power that works within us. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is a power that is working in you. There's a power working within you to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that you're able to even ask or even think. Your asking is one level. But how, how have you ever thought things that you are not able to articulate? You have something in your mind. You're thinking about something, but you can't express it with your words. God said, I'm going to do more than just what you're able to say, but even what you are not able to say, you just think it. But he said, I'm going to do above that. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing the problem is not believing he is able because we believe that he is able we believe that he is able to save we believe he is able to heal we believe that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all our problem is we don't believe that he will he's able He's able, I know he's able, but will he save? Will he deliver? Will he make a way for me? Jesus said to him, if you can believe, the problem is not in my ability. The problem is in your believing. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. He said, the problem is not with me. 
The problem is in your believing. Do you believe when you fill those water pots with water that I will turn them to wine? Do you believe when you do the natural that I'll do the impossible? Do you believe that when you invite somebody to Christ, that God will do the work? Do you believe? Our problem is not in that he is able. We have a problem that he will. And I want to come today to dispel that spirit of apathy, that spirit of complacency, that spirit of unbelief out of the church, out of the tabernacle, out of your mind that if God is able, then he will. Going back to our offertory this morning, who, what, what man, what father, what mother having the resources or ability to bless their children with withhold it from them? But the Bible said, he, that earthly father, knows how to bless his children. He said, how much more does our heavenly father know how to take care of us glory to God I want to tell you today that we need to believe you know what it takes you know what it takes to see the miraculous you know what it takes to see the supernatural it takes risk people want to make it all spiritual no faith is spelled R-I-S-K You can't never get a blind man healed, Jamie, if you don't lay hands on him and say, be healed. You can't ever see the miraculous take place if you don't say, I believe that God is able and put him on the stage. Huh? I said, put him on the stage because this isn't up to me. It's my job to proclaim the gospel. It's his job to produce the gospel. And whenever we take the water pots and we faithfully fill them with water, what we're able to do, only God can turn it into wine. But when those disciples had that faith and they poured the water in, but they dipped it out, that was a faith testimony that said, we believe God did something here. I hear our church, I hear many people say, I want to see the miraculous. I do too. But we can't see the miraculous if we're not putting ourselves at risk. Comfortable where we are. Comfortable. Okay with people going to hell. Because we would rather that happen than us to be embarrassed. Well, pastor, what, what if, what if it don't, no, it ain't about me. What if it don't happen? Well, I'm going to be embarrassed. No, it ain't about me. You got to get over yourself. If we're going to see this third day awakening, if we're going to see the kingdom of God established in the earth, we got to get over ourselves and say, it's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit honoring God's word and performing it through our lives. And so we say to the blind, you can be healed. 
We say to the deaf, you can hear. We say to the bound, you can be set free. Not only is God able, but he will do it. I said he will do it. He will be a marriage restorer. He'll be a fire baptizer. He'll give it, be a joy giver. He will do it. He's not only able, he'll do it for you. If you'll trust him, if you'll depend upon him, if you'll just take your water pot and do what you're able to, the Holy Spirit will come and join with you and do what you cannot do. Not only is he able, he will. He will. The question is, will you? Will you? It's not, God never asked anyone to do anything that they were unable to do. He asked them to do things that their mind told them they could not do. Amen. He put pressure on them to turn, to turn it up and said, I'm able, are you willing? And he told a little man with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand. How are you going to stretch forth your hand if your hand is withered? The audacity of Jesus. He took them out of the place of their comfort so they could see a miracle in their lives. And the problem is we're wanting miracles, but we want to stay in our comfort place. He told a blind man to go wash in a pool. How is a blind man going to find a pool? And you want Jesus for your pastor. <laughs> it's quiet up in here today. It's Pentecost Sunday. Loosen up. We're having fun. He wasn't rude. He wasn't mean he wasn't bitter he wasn't angry he was pushing on them he was the press that would bring out of them their potential and he would tell a blind man go wash in the pool and in their act of obedience he received his sight he told a withered man hand to stretch forth his hand and in his act of obedience he stretches forth his hand and it releases the potential on the inside of him it brings him out of his their place of safety and security brings them out of their comfort so that the holy spirit has something to work with I'm trying to quit I heard it somewhere. No, I read it somewhere. Without faith, it is impossible. Not probable, but impossible to please the Lord. Let's dissect that as Pastor Jamie comes. Impossible. Without faith, it is impossible. But yet, he tells us in his word that when we are saved, he gives to every man a measure of faith. So he has given us a measure of faith, but then he turns around and says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So which is it? Well, I'll tell you which one it is. It's both. He gives us faith. He gives us in a deposit of faith inside of us. But when we live life so safe that we never have to make a withdrawal from the deposit of faith he put on the inside of us, we're not pleasing him. 
With that thought in mind, are we pleasing him? Are we living life safe so that we're not embarrassed? Some of these guys have been with me in the foreign countries. I learned from my mentor. If you want God to do something, you got to put him on display. Pastor Rich has been there, Nathaniel, Jordan, and some others. When we pray for blind eyes to open, when we pray for the crippled to be healed, we don't do it down where nobody can see. We say, bring them up here. Remember that crippled man in in Ghana last time was crippled for six months six months he hadn't walked we said bring him up here they carried him up there we prayed the prayer of faith believed that not only God was able we believed he would and God touched that man and for the first time in six months he got up and started I can't remember all so I don't want to embellish it but I know he ran across the stage and back and then he started bending over and, and then he got in his wallet remember and he started wanting to give us money <laughs> he said he said doctors couldn't heal me he said this this is the best I felt and then he told our interpreter <laughs> which I thought was hilarious he said if this keeps up I'll come back tomorrow and give you some more money <laughs> He said, <laughs> I loved it because he said, this feels good, but he wasn't sure it's going to stay that way. So he just wanted to make sure <laughs> if it stays like this, I'll come back and be a blessing. I mean, no, when God blesses you, he doesn't take the blessing back. He blesses you because he wants to load you down with immeasurable blessing. Our problem is not the question, is he able? Our question is, will he? But I want in this house to raise up a body of believers that don't have doubt sitting in the pew, but believe not only is he able, but he will do a thing. He will bring it to pass. He will save our lost. He will heal. He will deliver. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you, and you know that he's able. You just don't know if he will. I want to tell you today with all assurance that if you put your trust in him, not only is he able, he'll, he'll, he'll save you today. Today's your day of salvation. Today, hope comes to your life. Today, purpose is raises up out of the ashes of your pain and your problems and your past. And you will know the goodness of the Father. I promise you, there's no doubt in my mind, he will. If you're here today and you're struggling in your walk with him, if it's been a while since the Holy Spirit has flowed through your life, why don't you allow him to refresh that in you today? Why don't you allow him to renew that in you today? Because he never gave it for, for a time for it, there to be a, 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 just a one-time experience. He gave it to you so like a river it would flow out of your life every single day. I just want us today, I I feel the spirit of God stirring. I feel like somebody today needs to make their way back to the cross. Somebody today needs to know Christ as their father. If you're here today and that's you, 
Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hinder you. Come today. Accept him as your Savior, your Lord. We'll pray with you. We'll believe God for your life to change today. If you're here and you're struggling with things in your life,